and thank you very much for tuning in to the fourth instalment of In the Sheds on Cove with Kingy, where today I am joined by Wellington Lions captain and Hurricane Duplessis Karifi. Now the conversation starts with his first claim to fame as a ball boy at Yarrow Stadium. Before covering some of the speed bumps he's had along the way in his rugby career, as well as his passion for mental health and vulnerability. Having listened to the audio back, I wish I'd given him a better opportunity to promote his page, which can be found on Instagram under the handle The First Set. So please go and check it out, give it a follow, and help support this Tane tour with all the awesome work that he's doing off the field. Anyway, I hope you take something away from this conversation and learn something new about the life of a professional rugby player, and just appreciate the yarn. Sweet man, how's isolation been? Now isolation's been mean, bro. I know like a lot of people aren't really enjoying it, and like there's a lot of time to kill, but oh, I don't know, I found it quite nice, so plenty of stuff to do reading a couple books, oh, Netflix, going for walks, going for runs, working out. Between all of that, there's plenty of stuff to do, bro. It's, it's not too bad. What about you? Yeah, I've just been cruising, bro. I'm still working at the moment. So doing like three days on, oh, four man. days off from home. So that's not too bad, bro. Just rolling out of bed, jumping up to the desk and just logging into my <laughs> laptop with my robe on, eh? So that's, that's the good thing cruising. about it, eh, is you're able to just eat what you want and wear what you want. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, not sure about the eating side for me personally, bro, but hey, I've still got another, what, hopefully three weeks to burn it all off. But yeah, man, um, true, true, true. I know for you guys as professional athletes, it might have been an even bigger shock to the system because your your lives are so routine-based. Have you missed being around the boys at all and just, you know, being in your usual yeah, rhythm? 100%. Like, you'd be lying if you said you didn't miss the training and the, and the routine and, and obviously the boys because, I mean, out with four. To, like we're so lucky with what we do for for a job, bro. We spend all day with with our mates doing something we love. So if anyone said they weren't missing it, they'd be lying. Um, but in saying that, change has been has been good. I just I think not having somewhere to be at every minute of every day has been has been a welcome challenge. You know, trying to figure out what what I want to do for myself. We normally have like one day off a week um, to fill, but now we've got seven. Um, so that's been a cool challenge, just figuring out the what the new routine looks like and what I want to do with it. But 100% miss the boys, miss training. <laughs> Some of us were talking the other night, we were saying we just we kind of just miss waking up and and knowing we just got to go into training and hang out with the boys and train and, and prepare for a game. So 100%, bro, miss missing missing rugby at the moment. Mm-hmm. Have you found training by yourself very hard, or are you quite disciplined with that sort of stuff? At the start, bro, motivation levels weren't too high. I think that was probably more to do with not not being alone, but more to do with just the uncertainty of what we're facing at the moment. And like, I'm training, but what am I training for? Uh, what's the date? You know, do we have a game? Are we going to play rugby? So, I think for me that was my challenge, bro, was just around training and what are we training for, rather than just training by myself. So, I think. Now I'm sweet, bro, and I don't mind it at all. I've always been a good trainer by myself. Always like going to the gym and going for workouts and running by myself compared to going with some of the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll jump on into your, your rugby journey, bro. So I know that you're a, a Taranaki boy, so maybe start us off with growing up in the Naki and how you got into playing rugby. Yeah, man. Naki boy, born and bred. 
we actually um we moved to Samoa when I was about one and lived in RP until I was about seven, uh, which not too many people know. But once we came back, yep, I uh, went back to school in New Plymouth. And I originally started playing soccer. I think I, my mates at primary school must have been playing soccer. Um, and I loved it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, and there was no pressure from dad to play rugby instead of soccer. So that's what I did for a few years until I was about 11. And I don't know, I just kind of just started getting a bit a bit more physical in the playground and stuff like that and realised soccer wasn't, I guess, what I wanted to do anymore and, and I knew rugby was a thing. So I was like, yeah, look, mum and dad, I want to I want to give rugby a go and and did that and just loved it straight away. I think when I first started playing, it was from the 40-metre line to the trial line and you were playing, like, across the field and it was barefoot, so frosty mornings on a Saturday. But I loved it, though. I loved it. And, um, like, I wasn't necessarily one of those bigger boys for his age group. But I really enjoyed the physical nature of it. So that's kind of how I got into rugby. Mm-hmm. And then just from there, bro, just, just kept chipping away. Um, I was young for my year. So I was always playing slightly older boys, which didn't mind, I didn't mind that either. It was a nice challenge, um, especially later on in life. But that's how I got into rugby as a kid. And pretty much from there, bro, just kept just kept very competitive young man. Kept trying to win games, be the best um, I could be. And, and obviously that kind of led to like regional rep teams and stuff like that. So just keep going from team to team to team. And that's kind of how I'm here, man. Now, I also did a bit of reading up uh, before I jumped on this with you. And I saw that you were quite a keen ball boy as well, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you even cracked Small Blacks TV. So yeah. how did that all happen? And, you know, oh, do you miss man. being on the sidelines rather than being oh, on the field? Nah, I got a lot of stick for that. Eh? Did, it for, did it from about probably around... Like, it's a kid's thing, obviously. I did it from around maybe before I started playing rugby, I'm pretty sure, maybe 10, till I was about 14. And then I actually went on to do the cables for Sky with some of my mates up at the Naki, which was cool because you got paid 50 bucks or 75 bucks cash just straight after yeah. the game. Uh, but I got into ball boying, got him to stick because the old man was an RDO for Taranaki Rugby Union. <laughs> so I got the easy ticket in there as a kid. Uh, but yeah, that was cool. And then Sky, uh, sorry, Small Blacks TV wanted to come along and do a piece. I can't remember what the kind of what the plot or the storyline they were trying to follow was, but yeah, that was cool. And um, a guy doing that was Noah, and he worked for Small Blacks back in the day, and and now he's working for New Zealand Rugby and writing his own kind of movies and being a um, producer, which is cool. So we linked up the other day, and it was kind of like a full circle moment. But yeah. Did a bit of ball boy when I was younger. Lucky enough to do the 2000 and was it 11? 2011 World Cup. So that was a pretty cool. That was a pretty cool experience. Me and a couple of the boys um, I grew up with. All right, and so you carried on to Francis Douglas, and I mean, was the motivation for you going to Francis Douglas was it more an education thing, or was it because they were such uh, traditionally such a good rugby school? No, nah, it was an educational thing, bro. So Francis Douglas goes from year seven, first form. So I went from primary straight straight to there. But I was a little shit in primary, bro. I was like getting stood down and suspended and all sorts. Um, and the kind of pathway from that school that I was at <laughs> to go to high school, it was like a rough high school. And then there was New Plymouth Boys, obviously, but that was like all the way on the other side of town. So dad just dad just kind of made the exec, executive decision, bro, just to send me to France. He came home one day and just said, look, this is where you're going. That's the end of it. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> sweet. <laughs> I didn't really want to go to the other high school anyway. So, yeah, that's how I ended up at Francis Douglas, bro. Just kind of more just around 
it was my behavior behavioral issues as a 10 year old and and kind of the education it, it, it initially it had nothing to do with rugby and you went on to play first 15 for the school and you played with quite a quite a few notable guys uh guys like geordie barrett yeah, yeah. Uh, ollie polson some yeah. of the other guys that i've met so maybe talk us through <laughs> shout out to ollie and dom hopefully you guys are listening <laughs> hey, but um yeah bro. maybe talk us through your schoolboy days and you know those were sort of the days, especially for me, bro, like, I, it was sort of the purest form of rugby. And because there was no pressure from anything like that, you know, you rock up to school and you're playing with your mates. So what was your experience like at school with rugby? No, I, I agree with you 100%, bro. You're at school and, and you're playing rugby with your mates. And oh, there's just no external pressure, apart unless you're trying to make higher honours, like rep teams and stuff. But playing for your school, for an all-boys school in the first 15, and and if you're doing as a team, you're doing quite well. It's it's pretty exciting rugby, and it's and it's something you get pretty pretty passionate about. And you won't find many teams past first fifteen that kind of emulate that culture. So for me, I didn't at the time understand or or realise how significant it was. But looking back, um, playing for Franz Douglas, I played two years um, with those boys, and doing kind of achieving what we achieved was pretty special. Were you fortunate enough to play uh, on Sky? Oh, I don't know about fortunate. I didn't. I played on Sky twice, and I played pretty poorly um, both games. <laughs> so my TV debut was not a good one. But yeah, um, we played. Yeah, we played New Plymouth Boys High School. I can't remember who else, but we won New Plymouth Boys High School, which is obviously a huge game up in, New, in up in Taranaki. I think I read somewhere it's the eighth oldest traditional match in New Zealand um, regarding first fifteen. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, played with some pretty cool guys. We had a good we had a good team in year twelve, uh, when I was year twelve. And then we had a we had a good team in year thirteen as well. So fond memories, man. High school. I think for me even just school itself is something that I look back on and I think yeah, like you should you sort of take for granted, especially your last year at school, just how relaxed and you know, how the teachers would treat you, you know, you rock up and you play rugby and it's the last time I know, especially for me, just being, I mean, you catch up with the boys every now and then, but it's just not the same, you know, like, you know, you, you do something on the weekend and everybody would be at school on Monday and you'd have a big debrief and mm-hmm. those are the days, bro, no responsibility either, but absolutely, bro. now we, we obviously know where you are now with the Hurricanes, but at school, were you one of those guys who was always making big teams? Like, I always thought I was a bit of a battler, but I guess looking back, yeah, I, I was like making, I did make. Taranaki isn't the biggest place, but yeah, I made the rep teams, but for, up until I was around, oh, like first 15 level, I was only kind of like a reserve, like came down to under 16 tournament in Wellington one year, and I think you play that quad tournament, and I got three minutes, one minute each game, <laughs> so yeah, I was, yep, I was, I guess, good enough to make some of the school rep team, uh, some of the age grade rep teams in Taranaki, but then, for, but for a lot of that period, I was quite a I was a bit of a battler. I was just, uh, I was just warming the pine, bro. Warming the pine of the brothers, holding, <laughs> holding shields. But it was all good stuff, man. Uh, loved my rugby and and kind of just loved playing with the boys, which is something we've talked about. And what you just mentioned there around um, being at school, doing stuff on the weekend, turning back up um, with all the boys on the Monday and being able to yarn about it. Pretty lucky in a sense that that that's my situation in life at the moment. Is is that kind of situation where as a team we might do something or as as some of the boys we might do something on the weekend and and we link back up at training and we're able to able to yarn about it. So pretty lucky in that sense, man. So what was the 
What were the goals for you just in life in general when you left school? Once I left school, I was pretty determined to play rugby at a high level. So always, I think every you know everyone playing rugby as a young kid or doing anything they want to play for the All Blacks. So um, that was always there. That's always been one of my goals and still is. But outside of rugby, I headed off to I took a gap year and teacherated for that whole entire year. And I then I headed off to Waikato because I wanted to be a teacher. Um, had some pretty cool teachers at Franz Douglas um, who kind of inspired that decision. So I went off to Waikato. Goal was to study to become a teacher um, in English and PE, but play rugby simultaneously with that, obviously, in like the Waikato Academy and club rugby. Um, and just kind of see where that, where that went. I felt like at that stage, obviously, you don't have everything together, but I had something I wanted to study, which was like your profession outside of rugby, and then I also had rugby. So I felt like, I guess, in terms of where my life was headed, had things pretty under control. I was prepared well for kind of if rugby didn't happen, and, and I was also doing something I was passionate in, which was rugby. So that's kind of what happened outside of school, bro. Now, you played for the Taranaki under-19s when you left school. Yeah. And you you guys beat Wellington in that quarterfinal at the tournament. And then you mentioned how you, you progressed on to go into Waikato. Yeah. Was that, was that tournament sort of a way that Waikato scouted you, or were you going to Waikato regardless of the rugby stuff? Nah, so I was, um, I think I was just a little bit scared of, leaving home so i was i was looking at universities close to new Plymouth, so i was looking at massey and and waikato um but at that tournament, so i was actually probably going to go to massey but then at the tournament um yeah we played all right i didn't make new zealand camp or anything like that but obviously did a good of enough job playing for taranaki 19s for the waikato um scouts to just hit me up and say look we like the look of you keen for you to come and study up. What are your plans next year, first of all? And then I said, study. And they said, yeah, keen, keen to put you up in Waikato, uh, Waikato Uni and you can come join our academy if you want. So I thought that was a pretty cool opportunity and, and I kind of just took it, really. How would you rate the academy set up in Waikato? Because everybody speaks about all the stuff that's been, that's been done in Christchurch. But for you, having been in the professional setup, but having to go to an academy first, did they, did they do a really good job up that way? Yeah, they nailed it, bro. Like, Canterbury is just a... Canterbury is a bit of a factory, eh? Anyone who kind of goes down there, and it's testament to them and what they're doing, bro, it's unreal, because anyone goes down there, they tend to flourish, bro. And so they've obviously been doing something right for the last last forever, really. But up in Waikato, when I was there, I think the year before they came, they lost the final. And then when I was there, we won... Um, the under-19s comp, but they treat the academy up there a little bit differently. Uh, I'm not too sure if it's exactly the same now, but their academy is their under-19s team, so they pick 24 guys at the start of the year, and we assemble end of February, um, and that's the team, and we trained four mornings a week, oh, sorry, five mornings a week, all the way up until the under-19s tournament at the end of the year, so if you think about it like that, that's a lot of time you're spending together, plus two nights, five mornings plus two nights. By the time you come to the under-19s tournament, you've spent so many hours together as a team. Um, you've had all that time to gel. So, yeah, we performed quite well, pretty much just because we spent every living hour with each other outside of uni or work. And, again, that was another standout tournament for you. Obviously, me being an observer, you were one of the standouts. And you ended up getting picked in that New Zealand camp, right? Yeah. But... I'm sort of tied in with the club rugby scene as well, and you were sort of one of the the ones that, that missed that camp, and it was sort of 
you know, sort of weird to me. I think there were quite a few Waikato boys that actually ended up missing mm. out on the team. Mm. And it was sort of weird. It's like, well, how does the, the championship winning team not have, you know, said players in it? So what sort of went into that? And was it more sort of, you know, you didn't trial that well or? Well, it's a culmination of things. Like you say, I think nine, only nine of us were selected for the camp from Waikato. And then only three people ended up making the team. Luke Jacobson, Ryan Coxon, and I think maybe Sam Keard, big lock, playing for Northland now. Um, and they're amazing players. But yeah, it was a, as a kid who thinks you've done it right um, at the 19s tournament for only three of the boys to make it, you kind of like, well, what's going on here? We just won but only three of our boys on the team. Um, but for me personally, bro, I think, yeah, it was a mixture. Um, there were some character issues um, that I had to deal with that the coach hit me up about quite blatantly, um, just around ego and stuff like that. Trained hard, but probably a bit of a bit of a hero. But then also I turned up to, I think I turned up to the first camp, not unfit, but just a little bit unprepared. Don't really want to say complacent, but like, if I really look back now, there was probably a little bit of that that's, that crept in there. We won that 19s tournament and we just went on a bender and we just thought we were heroes in our own lunchboxes. And then come to the come to the under-20s trial um, and everyone from Canterbury was just firing in all cylinders and we were a little bit behind the pace. So, um, And that's me personally. And so what was the plan from there? So it would have been a, a massive goal of yours to play under-20s, but you sort of have to move on from that stuff pretty quickly. And... Yeah, where did, where did things go from there? Yeah, bro, so 20s had been on my uh, list of goals on my wall for a long time, and I kind of shat the bed on that one when the opportunity was right there in front of me. Uh, so that hit hard, eh? I was pretty gutted. Tried to move on as best I could. Um, as soon as I found out I wasn't making 20s, the Chiefs guy who was looking after us called and said, unlucky, but we'll just take you to Hong Kong with the Chiefs uh, development team which was mean. It was an awesome opportunity. Never been overseas to play rugby. Um, so I love that. But I was still gutted, obviously, not making 20s. Um, we came back from Hong Kong and Waikato told me that they weren't looking at me for uh, Mata 10. I think they had they had Mitch Jacobson, Luke Byrne, Jerome Brown, who's now playing for the Brumbies. So they had, they had hissing loose forwards and they pretty much said, look, we're not going to consider you for Mata 10, um, which is fair enough. And I told my agent that, and my agent just kind of went out looking and came back within a couple of days. This is maybe a month and a bit before Minor 10 starts and said that Wellington had seen my tapes and they were pretty keen for me to get down as soon as possible for their Minor 10 season. So that was it, man. That was it, pretty much. Packed, my, packed two bags, I think. Two bags. Didn't have much in terms of uh, belongings. Just made sure I had my mouth guard and my boots. Jumped on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> Jumped on a plane, text, I text Geordie and said, hey, bro, I'm coming down to hopefully play for Wellington. Can I crash at yours while I figure out, you know, like what I'm doing in terms of accommodation? And he said, yep, turn it to his and, and it was a garage. So that was me, man. That was me for the best part of Mata 10 in 2017 was playing for Lions and going home and sleeping in a garage, which was a pretty humbling experience. Hey? I think I grew up a lot in that first couple of months down here in Wellington. Mm-hmm. Especially during the winter, bro. That must have been cold. Yeah, man, it leaked too. <laughs> bro, uh, when I, it was rough, man. <laughs> Come on, Geordie, bro. You're an all-black man. Sort that stuff out. Nah, right. bro, it was one of those nice garages. But 
on top of the garage was the house, but then part of part of the top of the garage was also the deck. Yeah. Um, and the deck had been waterproof like that part of the garage, but I think there was a there was a spot where it, water like you know what it's like in Wellington when it when it rains it pours, so that water was coming through there sometimes. All right, man, sweet. And so, what was what was the jump to? So you go from under nineteens, and I mean you're you're playing with high caliber players, guys at your your own age, but what was the jump to playing men like for you? Oh, I relished the opportunity. Um, first of all, I had a coach um, and a team that backed me. So, but I also knew I had a lot of respect to earn, seeing as I was new. But I think going out and playing, I wasn't worrying about fighting an uphill battle against a coach that didn't favour me, um, which helps a lot as a young player. Um, and then I went out and really just went to work, keep my head down, keep my ass up, and just tried to make every post a winner trained hard, turned up on time, make the best decisions I could in the game. And the step up, I guess, like, it's definitely noticeable. My first game, I was playing with, like, Brad Shields, like, just legends, bro. Brad Shields, um, Nehemiah Scudder was playing for the Turbos, or Teddy Black, just Julian Savier was playing for it. I was, like, I was just stoked, bro. Like, that was my dream. Um, but I went all right, probably just because I went out with a no-frills kind of, uh, mindset, I just said, look, just make your tackles, <laughs> make your tackles and don't drop the ball. Um, and I, and that kind of, that steadied the ship for that first couple of games. Um, so yeah, but there's, it was definitely noticeable. It's not, it's definitely not club rugby, obviously. How was it though? Cause I guess I'm sort of trying to envision it, uh, through these guys that I'm interviewing that you're, you're literally playing against guys who you've grew, grown up idolizing. Do you find it hard to sort of like actually stay focused and not be like, oh, bro, like, stop, like I'm, I'm Duplessis, you know, like. <laughs> I, I shared the, the bed on that one, eh, because when I turned up to Wellington, all the boys back up in Waikato were like, oh, bro, you're going to be playing with Trent Renata. <laughs> and Trent Renata is a bit of a cult hero, <laughs> um, the old party starter. And um, and I was like, literally the first thing I said to him, I called him party starter. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> Um, bro, I'm a, I was just an idiot, bro. I was a little 19-year-old, and he he looked at me like, who the fuck, what the fuck? And um, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> and then also another one was, when I was a ball boy for Tanaki, or I'd just be hanging around, little. I was a little kid, and I think Wellington were playing Tanaki, and they'd had their captain's run, and Daniel Kirkpatrick was kicking alone. Um, I went down and just started kicking back the balls, but yeah, I was a little kid and he was in his prime. And then and when I found out he was on the team as well, it wasn't the first thing I said to him. But yeah, I, at one stage I let him know. I was like, yeah, bro, like a few years ago when you were kicking up in Tanaki, I was like a little snot-nosed kid kicking you back the ball. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, bro, I, I know 100% what you mean. All of a sudden you're playing and training with people that a year or two ago, you know, you're sitting down watching them play on Sky or you're, you're getting the autographs four or five years ago. So... For me, that was like it's definitely something I didn't take for granted. I thought it was just, a, I thought it was amazing, um, and it's definitely something I kept telling mum and dad about. I was like, oh my god, you should, like honestly, it's amazing. Like, blah 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 blah. He does this, oh, he does that. This guy does this. Just a kid, stoked really. Um, which I, which I think is pretty cool actually. You know, if you're a kid and you dreamed of playing and doing all this stuff, and then you kind of finally get there, it'll be stupid if you were like, oh yeah, this is, this is alright. So I'm glad I reacted in that way, but had to grow up pretty quickly. 
Oh, bro, for sure. If I, you know, if I ever run into Dan Cardo or Richie McCall, I'm definitely whipping out a notebook and pen, bro. Holy. <laughs> I wasn't asking for notebook. I wasn't order- asking for autographs, bro. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's why you are where you are, and I'm, that's why I'm asking you all these questions, bro. <laughs> anyway, man, so you, you tuck into your Mitre 10 Cup, and you were called in as injury cover for the Hurricanes the following year? Yeah, man. Yep. Uh, stoked. Played Mitre 10 Cup. Went went pretty well, first season for the Lions when we won the championship. Knew I wasn't going to get a super. I didn't think I did, definitely didn't deserve a super contract. But I think after preseason there was a couple of injuries, um, and I stayed really really fit over the summer just in case. You know, like hunger kid, didn't want to miss an opportunity if it came knocking. And the Brisbane teams were coming up, and like li- like literally two days before the team flew out, got a call from Chris Boyd asking me if I wanted to go play for the Hurricanes at the Brisbane Tens. <laughs> and I just tried to hold it together, bro. And I was like, hey, yeah, 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 like, yeah 100%. Um, available, yeah, no, nah, yeah, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. Put the phone down. I had lost the plot, bro. <laughs> just, just like, Chow! Like, that's your dream, bro. That's that's the next step. So, I mean, it's not even playing for the actual Hurricanes, but it is. Um, but I was stoked and called mum and dad. And yeah, next day I was on a plane, or two days later I was on a plane um, to the Brisbane Tens. We nearly won. We lost in overtime to the Blues, which was gathering. But that was a real cool experience, bro. And I think I did well enough there. And through the kind of Hurricanes development setup that year, to just I think there must have been a couple more injuries, and I was called in pretty much just the whole season as just training cover, um, which was huge learning curve for me. Um, and it was pretty much just through that that um, I ended up getting signed for two years by John Plumtree before we'd even played Modern 10 again. So I'm uh, pretty grateful for that initial opportunity. And so then you rolled over into the your first Super Rugby season or your first time of, you know, as, as a full-timer. What was yeah, that experience yeah. like and what was pre-season like? Bro, pre-season's hell. <laughs> pre-season sucks. And I turned up, so before you get into preseason, you have a meeting with the trainers and you set goals around physical requirements and what kind of what you want to hit when you come in regarding testing. Um, and I was like, yeah, man, this is what I want to do in my yo-yo. This is what I want to do in my weights. This is my body weight that I want to come in at. And I felt like I trained and prepared well enough, but I turned up and missed my yo-yo um, by one mark. And he just let me, like, I wasn't just in the fat group. I was like in the extras group. I was in the fat group. I was on the side, not doing ball skills. I got bruised. I just got pumped by the trainers <laughs> for missing my yo-yo target by one mark. Um, so that was a huge learning curve for me was just pretty much you say you're going to do something, um, turn up and do it. Um, but yeah, so I had a pretty tough preseason, but I think in the long run, it was good for me, um, especially being my first full year as a hurricane. And then... Um, Sam Henwood and Artie were the other sevens, and they just, honestly, bro, I owe them a lot. They just took me under my, their wings and just just pretty much just showed me the way in terms of what it's like to be a professional footy player. Mm-hmm. And then you go yeah, on and you make your... Um, you got your what the week looks like. No, but I was going to say, you, you go on and you go into your debut against the Waratahs. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Bro, what, what's it like getting named on the Monday and then... <laughs> Sort of, sort of everything that went into that week. Yeah, so uh, to be honest, bro, that was a big surprise. So preseason, I'd played, I came off the bench, 
um, and played all right. Started the next game against the Blues and got injured after like 20 minutes. But the injury turned out to be not that bad. Uh, but honestly, I didn't expect to be on that plane going to um, Sydney to play the Waratahs. And they named the team and <laughs> went 20... No, number 20, Duke was secret. And they debutant, Duke was secret. And I just... I was, it's like... I, bro, I didn't quite cry, but I was just like... It's just really, really just taken back, got sweaty hands, took a moment to settle in. And it was cool as because Sam and Sam and some of the boys came over and just said, Congrats, man, like you really deserve it. Um, we went over there, bro. We stayed in Manly because we played in Manly. Oh my gosh. I'd love I'd live in Manly, man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a beautiful place. And we played at what what was the park's name? Do you know the park's name? Uh, is it, is it where the Seagulls play? Nah, 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 it's not. It's a, it's a historic, um, cricket ground. Sorry, bro. I can't remember. Um, but it's a, it's a pretty, uh, big traditional ground played there. It's a pretty rough game. Uh, like we didn't exactly play the best rugby, uh, which is expected first game of the season. Uh, manager goes dupes, uh, warm up. <laughs> there was like 20 minutes to go. And I, I was like, holy, I was expecting like maybe five, four four minutes because of how close the game was but you know me bro first game i don't need a warm-up man i'm already (laughs) ran out just like didn't really give myself a moment to catch my breath i just ran out and just kind of got into it and geordie had to come over to me at one stage and just said just make your tackles just do your job bro and that was like a really reassuring um, message for me at the time and yeah scored that try um from a mall which I don't even know how I popped out the other side of that. But, yeah, I was pretty nervous. I thought I was going to get a yellow card or a red card at <laughs> one stage because I put my elbow into Hooper's Hooper's neck um, and cost us a try, which was the try that should have taken us into, front, into the lead. Yeah, bro, when they were looking at it, I was in the huddle and, you know, they say, eyes in here, boys. Oh, bro, I was struggling to keep my eyes on them, man. <laughs> I keep looking back up at the screen, bro. I thought... I thought this is my debut and I'm about to get sent off and have a three-week ban and lose us the game. Ref came over and just said penalty, no try, and I just, bro, I was shitting bullets. And um, and I when he said that, I was just so like relieved and I was like, right, I need to make up for it. Um, so that's pretty much it, man. That's uh, that's how that game went. <laughs> kind of experienced it all, man. But you did make up for it, bro. You go on that score, that try. You did the old yeah. the old ball spike as well. I yeah, remember, I bro, because I remember watching that game, man, eh? and I was just like, what the hell? He sort of peels off, and it's like, he's over, and then he just goes nuts, and all the boys are in there. Like, that must have been, like, cloud nine, bro, like, having all the yeah. boys around you. That's probably the most emotion I've showed since my under-19 days in a game, really, bro. It was, I think for me, I scored, and just in, kind of in a split second, I took it all in. It was a culmination of all the kind of hard work. Not saying I'd achieved much, but it was like, this is my day. I'm playing for my dream team. I've just got to try. Like, yeah, I'm going to, like, let a bit of emotion out here. I'm pretty passionate. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just <laughs> lost the plot a little bit for a second there. But I was just I was just so stoked. And I don't see any harm in that, man. You, as long as you're able to move on to the next job as soon as you can. But, yeah, for me, it was a, it was a pretty cool moment, bro. And it'll always be um, up there in... in in my memories, mum and dad were, were obviously pretty stoked back home. I think dad started crying. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily about the try. I think it was just 
it was just a cool moment that went on top of an even cooler moment, which was playing for the Hurricanes. I talked about that with Celeste, actually, based off of what you talked about with Artie on his podcast yeah. about celebrating tries. And it's like, when you're in the moment and you're in the heat of battle, bro, like, a lot of the time you don't even know what you're doing. And as long as you're not sort of um, degrading the other team, and you know, you're sort of celebrating those small ones here, but I'm, I'm all for try celebrations, bro. But that's what I think I talked about with Artie was I didn't really, I hadn't really formed a proper opinion on it, so I struggled to kind of get my words out there. I probably sounded like an idiot, but um, yeah, it's, I think 100%, man, celebrate the wins, celebrate the small moments, um, but all in context. And as long as one, you're able to move on to your next job, and two, you're not degrade, downgrading, uh, degrading the other team all the other players, then sweet, man, go for it. That's your moment. You train all week to score tries and you score a try or you train all week to win games and you win a game, 100%. Although I do have to say, bro, my my all-time favourite try celebration, it was actually one that the Highlanders did and like Aaron Cruden came off uh, came off oh, yeah. to make this covering tackle and they <laughs> hugged them in there, bro. I love that, bro. That is so good. Um, not going to lie, if I had the opportunity to do that, if I was aware... That's probably something I'd do. That's crack up, bro. Especially if it was one of your boys, but on the yeah, other team. Yeah. <laughs> but he just kind of just chilled and just soaked it up. I was like, if that was me, man, I'm throwing. <laughs> <laughs> Get me out of here, brother. <laughs> yeah, so Super Rugby, you ride that season. And then you end up getting the, the captain's role for the Lions, which... Uh, like you again, going back to Artie's podcast, you were you were pretty startled about obviously being a newcomer in Wellington. But yeah, how much of the experience at Super Rugby level did you take into being you know a captain at the Mitre Ten level? Ah, bro, a lot, a lot. Not gonna lie, I needed to as well. But I was, oh, I was co-captain with Matty Proctor, so it wasn't just me. Um, but I got told that they were considering me for captaincy. At the start of the super, at the start of the super season, and I said, like honoured, but I'm like you say, I'm a newcomer. Um, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. I've got to think about it. So for the best part of super season, I was thinking about it. Um, but because I was aware of that potential decision, it was cool because I was able to talk to like TJ and Colsey, um, and a couple of the other boys, Artie, of course, just around what their leadership looked like and what their thoughts on it were. So I was able to take a lot from that season in terms of advice and really good examples of what leaders leaders are like um, into the Mitre 10 season. So, yeah, really lucky for the examples they set for me. Yeah, and saying that, didn't... Like, I went all right. Did plenty to work on, bro. Always plenty to work on. And I know you're probably not going to want to try and sing your own praises, and a lot of guys don't, but do you think that you have natural leadership skills? <laughs> or, are you, or, or are you more so one of those guys that um, likes to lead by example rather than sort of talking and talk? Serious question, bro. Bro, I think my mindset... No, no, oh yeah, my mindset is... Yeah, I can... I'm very good leader through actions, but I, I can also talk. I'm good with my words. I think my mindset is just do what needs... Like, do your job. Just do what needs to be done um, for the betterment of the team. Um, and, and kind of that's what I've learned in the last couple of years especially from that 20s and 19s campaign so that's kind of how I am as a player nowadays um, and then I guess as a leader that's just pretty much the message that I try to um, emulate and everything I do is just 
It's not about you as an individual player. It's about whatever's best for the team, uh, which is, bro, is super cliche, but that's pretty much what it is, man. Turning up on time, taking down your notes so that when it's your turn to clean a ruck or make a play, you know, you're prepared. Yeah, because I know that having been around, you know, sort of rugby circles myself, that there are guys in a, you know, within a team that can be standout awesome players and, you know, they do everything right on the pitch. But just because of their own personality and the way they express themselves, they might not be the best vocal leader. So they might not, you know, be the best guy to, to be a captain. So yeah, was it something that you was that something that you struggled with initially or did you feel quite comfortable talking in front of the boys? Nah, it's um I've always challenged myself. Um, I've always been really big on stepping out of my comfort zone and kind of that open growth mindset that you kind of hear people talking about. Um, so even if it would make me nervous as a young boy, it was always something that I kind of like leaned towards doing. Um, and leadership has always been something I've been pretty keen on, especially at high school, captain a few teams. So I guess, yeah, it's always been there for me as, as a tool. But I think up until recently, I didn't realise, I thought, oh, you've got leadership. That's a better... Um, asset then being a good player you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. which is obviously really wrong so um I had to just work on myself as a player and as a teammate before I could even think about kind of that leadership stuff bro but there are definitely boys sorry like you said um who are unreal players but their fit in the team is the jokester or they're they're just not keen on that kind of leadership stuff or they hate talking they hate public speaking which is sweet um not everyone not everyone's the same, and I think that's what makes a team culture um, special is the ability to get 36, 40 guys together five days a week um, and have them all function in, in unity towards a common goal, bro. Mm-hmm. I think that sort of covers all the stuff that you get up to, obviously, as a player, and I was fortunate enough with Peter that he gave me a bit of insight into what your guys' sort of working week looks like. But uh, yeah. for you personally, bro, what's, what's your game day routine like? game day routine it's been something I've just had to refine Um, initially it was nothing bro it was just (laughs) it was wake up whenever I woke up eat kind of what was ever in the pantry Uh, this is my 10 this is my first season my 10 eat whatever was in the pantry look and if that was those cheesy wheezy sausages um, it was cheesy wheezy sausages brother and um, and kind of just mull around until we had to get together as a team for a primer which was that's when I thought as that's as good a time to switch in as any. But nowadays, bro, um, wake in an alarm, wake up, but I'll have like a big carby breakfast, especially if we're playing at night. I'll have like a big bowl of porridge with nuts and berries and milk and cream. Um, and also like a smoothie on the side, bananas and bananas, protein, berries, spinach. Um, and then I'll just chill. And it just it depends on how I feel. I'll either have another meal before our primer or I'll wait till our pre-match. Sometimes I'm full and I know I'm full. So I'll just wait. I don't want to overload. But other than that, the night before I always pack. Pack the night before and I always write down a few key objectives the night before in my book and go over um, our plays on defence and attack. All of that is done the night before so that when I wake up the next day, I know I've done that work and, and kind of finished off a week of training and preparation. So on game day, I wake up, all I have to worry about is, one, eating, two, going to primer, three, making sure I've got my mouth guard for the game. You know, like on game day, I want to worry about as, as little as possible. I want to make as little decisions as I can. Just so I just go into the game and I've kind of like got that, <laughs> got, got that bloke in a I got that masculine arousal. 
um, <laughs> towards playing good and making decisions and just kind of hissing on all, four, all six cylinders. Look at you. Now, you touch on the food, bro, and having been around rugby circles myself, are you, yeah. obviously you talk about having to refine a bit, but, bro, like, I've seen some of those guys and what they eat before games, and it's just like, holy, like, how do you play that heavy? So, are you one of those guys who can play heavy, or do you prefer to play light? Um, bro, some boys don't eat, some boys like to eat. Uh, for me, I like to play on like the bare minimum. I'm not eating any meat. Uh, no red meat the night before, just so it's not mulling around in my stomach. As long as I'm hydrated, bro, I'm pretty good to go. I like to play a little bit lighter. I just say that because I went, I went away to this under-16s tournament up in Brisbane one year, bro, and we were staying on a marae. And so obviously, you know, they, they set it all up and you have sort of like a, a hot breakfast and it's sort of was like almost tauria? like a buffet. Yeah, bro, it was in the Royal Tauria, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, because... The majority, you know, the majority of my teammates are were were Pacific Islanders, and bro, like I was just amazed yeah, bro, at Alex just Williams. all the food that they were trucking through, and because like I'm I'm a small dude, bro, but I was trying to keep up with them, and I remember like the first game that I played, <laughs> I just played so heavy because I was just like trying to fit in, and I was like, bro, like, how the yeah, heck man. do you guys do this? And it's, it's like I just wonder whether that carries over um, with all the Super Rugby levels or. At the mitre team level, or whether you no, guys I think, get the nutritional advice. No, nah, we get nutritional advice, and at this level, you kind of want to do everything you possibly can to ensure you kind of play as good as you can. Um, and so you kind of eat, especially towards game day, you kind of eat what what's required. And for for a lot of boys, it's not about taste; it's just about what they get from it nutritionally. Um, so yeah, those boys that you would have been playing with, Alex and stuff. <laughs> they definitely don't they definitely don't chow down the same amount of food bro before a game nowadays oh. some of them some of them like to eat a bit more than others but no one's going to get KFC or two filled rolls at the bakery before a game unless your name's Celicia Rayasi eh? oh or Duplicy Coffee I've never met a human being who can eat that. more than Celicia bro I was saying that and the whole time I was like, mm. before we played the Sharks the other month, I was at the bakery and I had two steak and cheese pies. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so that's game day. What does is, what is Duper C get up to on his day off? Day off, bro. It's the only other day of the week where I don't set an alarm. Um, on my day off, I like to put a little bit aside like an hour maybe where I just go over our notes so far in the week because our day off's before the day before our big training day. Um, yep. And that's pretty much like where we just test everything at maximum velocity. Um, so I like to go over everything so that I'm prepared for the next day. And then once that's done, rugby's, I put rugby aside, bro, and, and kind of just go with the flow. I might have teed up a catch up with the boys. Um, it might be a nice day. I might just go for a swim with someone. But I like to use my day off as, as, a, as a day to just kind of unwind from rugby, clear the mind and catch up with people who I haven't haven't caught up with in a while or would only see on like a Saturday night, Friday night. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. And, and if it's going to be a nice sunset, grab the camera, go take some photos. But, yeah, won't do too much training. Might do a little bit of stretching. Um, but days off are days off for a reason. So just kind of like to relax, man. It's a great way to put it, bro. Day off is a day off. Now, you, you touched on your photography and... Yep. That's sort of a space that you are doing a lot of work in. Um, maybe tell those who 
maybe aren't familiar with the first set, you know, what you're looking to do and how you got into it. Yeah, bro. So lucky enough to get given a camera by a fella I know. So pretty grateful in that sense. And just taught myself how to use it. And then I was having a conversation with someone just around. So one, I take photos, obviously, on a camera. Um, I love taking photos. I love, uh, and Wellington's a beautiful place, but there's plenty of things to take photos of. Um, and then two, I use it as a kind of a page just to kind of voice um, people's mental health stories and a couple of other things regarding mental health in that kind of space. I was having a conversation with someone once and, and we just kind of both agreed, like, because we saw the stats on New Zealand suicides and stuff like that. We're leading, we're leading that stat in the world, um, which is a terrible stat to be leading. And we just kind of said, look, it's just not good enough. We're not going to, we're not going to solve the world's problems, but there's, why can't we just start a conversation? Um, so it was something I became pretty passionate about because I didn't want to see anyone who I knew affected by it, you know, fatally. So that's kind of how that started, bro. So the first set is uh, just my other Instagram page. Predominantly just photos that I take, but also there are stories on there from people um, who have experienced mental health um, and come through it. And so it's just them being uh, being pretty vulnerable, um, stepping out and talking about what they've experienced. Just yeah. so that, I don't know, people read those stories, man, and, and you might think no one relates, but the amount of people who message saying, oh, I resonated with this, this part or this sentence or what he said here is exactly what I felt um, in my own journey. So thank you for sharing. So... Um, it's been a pretty rewarding uh, experience. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, bro, because like you said, uh, that's something that I am sort of caught up in as well, especially with being part of the, the Māori demographic. And among yeah. those sort of startling stats, Māori youth, especially Māori male, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are, are the worst. And yeah, it's, it's awesome to see, especially someone with uh, obviously your platform and your prominence that you are using your you're using your platform to help people who are perhaps, you know, in, in a state where, you know, they're unsure about whether or not there's a way out. And with you sharing these stories, I'm, I'm sure that it's, it is making a world of difference. So is it something that you look to do after footy as well, you know, sort of working in that mental health space? Um, no, nah, it's definitely not. It's not something I want to do as a full-time job, bro, but it's definitely something I want to be able to um, be a voice in and an advocate for. The kind of like a lot of the reason behind it is before we're rugby players, or you know, or before we're anything, we're just we're just people first, um, and and everyone at the end of the day, everyone shits the same, bro. So there's not much that actually separates us. And so before I'm a rugby player, I'm just a human, and these stories are from other humans, and so I like to be able to just do something that's not rugby orientated, you know, grows me mm -hmm. as a person outside of rugby, and gives other people something else to talk about rather than just me passing a rugby ball around. So that's kind of a that's kind of a lot to do with it, bro. And yeah, once rugby finishes up, at this stage it's not something I wanna kind of pursue in terms of a career, but would love to just as as much as I can learn and uh, be able to talk on it when's required or when I've been asked. So that's kind of that's kind of the head the direction I'm headed in, bro. Wicked man. So if you're not wanting to sort of pursue that sort of thing, have you given anything else? Uh, some sort of mind for what what you want to do past rugby? Ooh, bro, I want to... Um, I really enjoy public speaking, eh? So one day I want to do a TED Talk, but I know that there's a lot of avenues that you can take from that kind of that kind of opportunity. I want to finish my business degree, 
yeah, I want to finish my business degree and just kind of get in, not too sure what direction I want to take that in, but I know that just having that kind of ticket is good, is good. But also I know it's not a be-all end-all, it's, like, it's who you know at the end of the day um, is really going to get you into some pretty cool rooms. So post-rugby, not too sure um, at the moment what it looks like, bro, but I'm sure whatever happens, I'll be able to figure something out um, that's pretty beneficial. You talk about TED Talks. Is there something that you'd want to talk about specifically? Have you got anything in mind at the moment? Yeah, like what we've just been talking about, bro, mental health, the ability to be vulnerable as a man. Um, recently been pretty heavy into looking into what toxic masculinity is. And I know a lot of people uh, hear that term and they go, oh, no, it's bullshit. Or they say, oh, no, it's a cover-up. But that's something that's really interested me. Um, leadership as well. So there's some pretty there's some pretty heavy stuff there. I'd, I'd love to learn more about and be able to kind of like talk about, especially from an educated level. So maybe I'll pick up a couple of papers um, there, but those are a few of the topics. And I feel like all those topics can link in with one another. Maybe. How did you fall into that, bro? Is it something that you've always sort of been interested in or is it something that sort of just popped nah, up from reading? Nah, or? No way, no, nah, no way. Um, oh, the, the topics or the TED Talks? Uh, the, the topics of your TED Talks. The topics topics um like the mental health stuff we've talked about pretty passionate about that so mm-hmm. um that's obviously where that one's come from um i saw a wonderful woman by the name of Brene brown watched all her content um she's a great public speaker and what she talks about is vulnerability and shame um, i don't know what it is with these heavy topics man but i uh, i enjoy it um maybe i enjoy just how uncomfortable they make people but how much they are they're there to grow us um, and leadership, leadership is so, I love, I love learning about what makes great leaders tick and how they function. I read up a lot on um, Martin Luther King, read up a lot on Barack Obama, just kind of what went through their minds as they kind of grew as men and obviously got to the position where they were at and, and kind of what went on in their minds as they were making decisions or, or leading countries and people. So, and what made them so charismatic as well, I think. You know, as a leader, you, you can't be a dictator, bro. You've got to be charismatic and, and kind of bring the best out of people around you. So that's pretty yeah, much it. Yeah, for sure, man. And then I remember you you mentioned earlier uh, from this conversation, you talked about the growth mindset. And that's something that I'm really big into at the moment. So what is the growth mindset for you? And did you transition from someone that was in a fixed mindset into the growth mindset? Um, no, I wouldn't say I've ever been fixed. I'd just say I have increased my awareness of what grows me and, and kind of being able to step outside of my comfort zone um, over, especially over the maybe last uh, 18 months, sorry. For me, it's just, as much as I hate it, I love moments that kind of make my hands sweaty because I'm nervous or I feel uncomfortable. Um, and if I feel that kind of way about something, I know that's the kind of direction I want to be headed in. Unless it's stupid, like jumping off a cliff. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I, I, if I look at something that, that challenges me and makes me feel uncomfortable just because it makes me nervous um, then I feel like that's kind of where I need to go in terms of challenging myself to grow because, like, look, whether I fail or I succeed or I do a shit job or I do a right job, I'm still learning um, something new or I'm learning from that experience. So, and as far as I can see, bro, there's no bad that can come from that. It's all, it's all, uh, it all contributes to you moving forward as a person. So I'm pretty big on stepping outside of my comfort zone and trying new things, especially around just being a better human and, and kind of, how that can contribute to my leadership abilities. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's awesome awareness, man. It's like you said, it's something that 
I think that I've sort of drawn from my own parents and just mm. sort of having that self-awareness to, mm. like you said, not be afraid of failure and, you know, embracing it. Yeah. And that, you know, you know, like nothing, nothing ever gets done in the comfortable because, you know, mm. once you find comfortable with anything, you know, I mean, it's like anything, you're going to get good at something, but once you become mm. comfortable with it, you never, you're never going to get any better. Mm. And so you have, sort of have to take that step outside of your comfort zone to, to reach those goals. And like you said, for you, it's, it's when you get sweaty hands. And I think for me, it's bro, like I call up into a ball and I get really nervous. And when, you know, like when, it's funny how much your, your personality changes when you do that stuff. But yeah, a big total to that, man. But um, I, I, before we wrap up this uh, with a segment that I've coined 10 from the bin, which are 10 questions that I'll just sort of fire at you. I, I do have two things before we jump into that, bro. Um, yeah, my man. My first one that I forgot to ask both Salisi and Peter is, as a professional rugby player, bro, what is it like having people come up to you acting like they know you when they don't really know you? I think if you start playing rugby um, without the consideration that that might happen, then you're a little bit, you're a bit of a muppet. So you've got to expect that at one stage or another, no matter who you are, someone's always going to recognise you and want to come up and have a yarn. Um, but for me, it's it's all good. I don't mind it. I never see, I never shun anyone away or tell anyone to piss off. Some people can be quite aggressive in their approach, <laughs> um, especially if you're in town, bro, and people are drunk like that's pretty heavy. But I just try to just be as just be as like lovely as possible. Um, always say hi, and if they want a yarn, I just kind of say, "Oh, wait for a pause and just say, mean bro, I'll just catch you later." But yeah, always want to try and leave the best impression possible with people. Uh, but yeah, man, it gets pretty intense. People come out of the out of the blue and they just shove their shove their face in your face and want to yarn about yarn about code <laughs> especially and maybe you've just lost the game or you know it's your bye week and the last thing you want to talk about is code um but you've got to understand that like we're in the position that we're in and people people love to talk about it and, and want to get a piece of the pie so look it's all good I'm, I'm pretty all good with it i know for some of the boys they struggle with it um which is which is fine because it's it can be pretty ugly sometimes or it can be pretty uh confrontational but it's all good man i always just try to just guide the conversation of in a positive way and just leave it leave it as is mm-hmm. bro I've definitely been one of those idiots who's rocked up to a hurricane <laughs> telling them that they've had a main game and that you know oh, they should be in all black and that stuff's cracker because it's not too heavy but you get someone coming up and wanting to ask like the deep questions and you're just bro you're just minding your own business you're going from Boston to our horno um, and someone wants to stop you in the bus stop um, <laughs> but yeah man yeah, okay, and then one of my other things was, bro. I've I've noticed on your Instagram, bro, that um a lot of the time you're either in your in your hurricanes kit or you know you're rocking the topless look, and it sort of had me wondering, bro. I was like, why is this guy consistently doing it? And I came to three conclusions, bro. And I need you to clarify this for me. So one, you know, one of the reasons was like, well, yeah, I know that we've just gone into lockdown, so and I know he's probably dashed off to his bubble, you know, to beat the lockdown period. And I was like, maybe you forgot a suitcase, you know, maybe you short of clothes these days. The second one is that maybe this guy's into sustainability, bro, you know, like he's wanting to cut back on the water and stuff like that. So, you know, he's using using the same top twice. (laughs) And, you know, maybe he's taking the top off because he's sweated through his other one. He's not wanting to get through all of his clothes and having to do his washing twice a week. But the last one, bro, and... 
I think the punters are paying about a dollar forty on this one, bro. Is that it's just all a spade, bro? It's just all a spade. So if you can just clarify for me that, bro, uh, that'd be awesome. Bro, I'm looking at my gram. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Well, maybe it's the stories, bro. Maybe it's the stories. No, no, no. Sure, I don't know, man. I think yeah, recently, a couple topless ones. Nah, most of the canes, I never, I'm not, so I'm not one to wear cane stuff unless I'm doing canes things. I'm not sitting in my room wearing canes t-shirts uh, or going to the supermarket shopping in canes t-shirts. So if it's a canes photo, it'll just be probably from like a professional photographer somewhere. And then if I'm at home, man, I just tell everyone, bro, I'm leave me alone. I'm in my house. No shit. No shit. I'm in my house. I do what I want, man. So, but that's just me, bro. Hey, bro, you know, like, and like you said, bro, if you, you, you work hard for your rig, bro, and, and if you want to show it off, like, I'm all for it, bro, and I think maybe something else you might want to pursue, bro, is have you ever thought about being an Instagram influencer, bro? Cause, yeah, that I mean, Oh, no, you, bro, I'm not, no, no, You no, got, no, you no, mean, no, you know, no. you're in pretty good nick, bro, you, you got the platform now, you're sort of ticking all these boxes, it's all about no, putting no, it no. together, man, so. That's not my future, man. <laughs> it's not me, man. Okay, man, oh, okay. <laughs> We'll jump into these questions, bro, because I know you probably yeah. want to run off and do your own yeah, thing. So got nowhere to be, bro. I'm an awesome <laughs> Um, first one is, what is your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out? Oh, bro, long white or uh, bro, I love asahi at the moment. eh? asahi or spades. If we're drinking beer, asahi or spades. If it's like a Sunday sesh, um, in the sun, long whites. What flavor long white? Uh, I like passion fruit, bro. Nothing too, nothing too zingy, you know. Okay, yeah, 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 it's cool. Uh, who is the biggest coach's pet you have been around in your playing days? <laughs> uh, shit, all of a sudden, I can't remember anyone's name. Nah, I've got no one for you on that one, bro. No one? All right, uh, well, no if, if someone pops up, we can come back to it. Um, <laughs> what is your must-do on your day off? Uh, <laughs> probably the night before my day off because we don't have training obviously is a cheap meal so I'll go get a uh, three piece quarter pack from KFC bro oh, would that be your favourite cheap meal? yeah yeah I'd say so and I change the, I don't really like fizzy so I'll change the drink to more chips alright little hacks in there okay yeah man uh, what is your least favourite fitness block? Uh, long distance. Bro, so we're road running at the moment. That's what we're doing as a team. I hate that shit, man. I seen a tweet from Lima Sapuang and he said, if you say you like road running, you're lying to yourself. And that's me, bro. That's me. I hate that, bro. So I hate long distance road running. But then I probably also, broken Broncos, they're pretty tough. Oh, 100, 200s. Those are pretty tough. I'm good at the short stuff because I'm, I'm a bit nippy. What is your most regretful baller purchase? And so it's like, what have, what, have, what have you gone out and spent a whole lot of money on? And then like the next day being like, oh, bro, I should not have bought that. Nah, um, to be honest, bro, boring answer. I'm not much of a shopper, eh? So there's actually, there's nothing. Someone I asked, I got asked that question the other day by someone and I didn't have an answer because there's not, I don't really own too many things. Um, and there's nothing I really, nothing I can think of that I regret buying. Pretty, um, 
pretty considerate before I buy something, eh? That, that is a good thing to have, bro. Who is your guilty music pleasure? Guilty music pleasure? Um, <laughs> probably Justin Bieber, bro. He is the man. Yeah, I'd say uh, not his old stuff, not his old stuff. But yeah, his new album and some of his recent stuff is probably my guilty pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that I flew up to Auckland and I went and watched this concert, bro. It was well yeah. worth it. No, I actually, bro, bro, I missed right. the first that's round right, of club rugby right. for it as well, bro. Oh, and I got played out for the rest of the season. 100% you did. <laughs> well, I remember at the court session, like, I don't know, a month or so later, that I think I was on the bus the whole night, say, that it would not let me off. So, yeah. I don't regret doing it, bro, but um, my liver... Uh, probably wasn't all that thankful for it but okay next question you don't remember the nights you sleep (laughs) exactly my man what is your best pickup line or what is your go-to move (laughs) i don't think i've ever used a pickup line in my life so i'll just do my go-to move would just be like a dougie but just chill like super chill dougie just just the mo, just like it's not even like the daggy read. It's just like just, mm, just even like you know, just yeah, going with the going with the rhythm, going with the motion, and then oh, just a two step. Can't go wrong with a two step. Oh yeah, bro, hundred percent. I stick with the two step myself. Uh, who is the biggest grub you've played with and against? <laughs> um, yeah, that's bro. That's probably the easiest question. TJ and Colsey. Yeah, TJ and Colsey, bro. They're just. Yeah, grubs, bro. King grubs. <laughs> Have you got any stories for us? Not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, bro. Very cool. Don't want to burn any bridges. All right, last question, man. Just finish this sentence for me. Saturdays are for the... Boys. Hey, let's, let's go. go. Bro, I don't, I'm not tied down, so I'm not going to say anything else. Uh, you know, some guys might say Saturdays are for the fine, though. Saturdays are for chilling, bro. So That is fair. That is fair. It's an open-ended question. Saturdays, it is, bro. Now, nah, if I've got a day off or we finish rugby up early, Saturdays are for the boys, bro. Wicked, man. All right, that wraps everything up, bro. Um, thank you very much for taking uh, some time out of your night to have a quarter all with me. I wish you all the best with your training Cheers, and Cheers, all bro. the other stuff. And, yeah, stay healthy and hopefully we get some footy back on the park soon, eh? Yeah, hopefully, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Great, great yarn. It's uh, it's my pleasure to be here, bro. Thank you very much, bro. All right, I'll catch you up. Roger. Right,